Welcome to Britt David Podcast and the conclusion to Pastor Tim's message, How to Be a Good Influencer, from the book of Philemon. In the book of Philemon, we find Paul in a very delicate situation as he deals with two people he dearly loves in the Lord. He wants both to do the right thing, but doesn't want to bring hurt to either. How Paul works with both these men is a life lesson for us on how to be a good influencer. Here's Pastor Tim. Number next. Learn to ask rather than demand. Now, if you're a manipulator, <laughs> well, then, then even your asking is false. There's, there's a forcefulness that comes. That's not what you have here. And the, and the interesting thing to me is, is that Paul really has every right to be so. He's written in other places and saying, you know, because of my apostleship, I could just tell you what to do. In this case, he doesn't lean on his position and try to make demands of somebody. Instead, he learns to ask. He's not commanding them. He's not trying to be bossy. He'll use the word, I am appealing to you. Look, if you will, verse number 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesiphorus. I said that a while ago and I messed myself up. Onesimus, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. What's he talking about? He's talking about leading him to Christ. While he's sitting there in the prison cell, he leads Onesimus to faith in Christ. And he says, I'm appealing to you, my brother, on behalf of another brother. And he says, I'm not asking you. I could, I could command you. But for love's sake, instead I'm simply asking you to do that. For just a moment, look down at verse number 14. He says, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. If you're trying to appeal to your friend, you're trying to influence them, and you're, you're asking them, you're trying to do all the right things to get them to do what they ought to do, not just what you want them to do, and you're appealing to them simply to be obedient to the Lord, and they won't do it. I mean, they just won't. They're stubborn, and they're locked in where they are, and they're not interested in doing the right thing for the, just because it's the right thing. They're not interested in being obedient to the Lord. They don't see it that way. And they're not going to budge. Now what do you do? A manipulator takes matters in his own hands. But Paul said, I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I want this to be voluntary. I don't want this to be by compulsion. So an influencer just continues. 
It might not happen the first time. It might not happen the second time. It might not happen for a long time. But you continue in that relationship that you've built with them. You continue to pray for them. You continue to praise them for things that you see that are good things in their life. And you keep appealing to them simply to do the right thing. So you learn to ask rather than demand. Next. You are to uphold their future by investing in them. Uphold their future by investing in them. See, as you appeal to them, you're, you're at some point going to be able to say, look, this is, this is what life could be like. If you, you know, if, if you did this right thing, which you probably shouldn't use those words, but if you would just do the right thing, you know, imagine what life would be like. You and you are you are holding their future up for them. But instead of just dangling it like a carrot, give them the carrot. In, in other words, you invest in them. You make sacrifices in your life. You pour into them. We left off a minute ago in verse number 10, so let's go back to verse number 11. He's talking about Onesimus, whom he's begotten while in his chains, he says, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. You know what the name Onesimus means? It means useful. And Onesimus has proved himself, at least to this point, to Philemon, to not be useful at all, but to be useless to run away and to be absent from the duties that he's been called to and assigned to. Paul, however, has found him to be very useful. But what Paul sees in Onesimus's future, what he sees in Philemon's future, is a relationship that is better than it could have ever been if Onesimus had never left. Now they're brothers in the Lord. It's not just a master and slave relationship. It's not just, a, in our context, it's not just an employer and employee relationship. Now it's brotherhood. It's sisterhood. It's not just working for the prophets of the boss. It's working for the kingdom. So you uphold them by investing in them. How does Paul do that? He does that by sending Onesimus back. It's a sacrifice on Paul's part. He's about to lose his helper. I mean, it's not like he can go out and interview other people, right? He, he's in jail. He ain't going nowhere. If somebody else is going to help him the way Onesimus has, then God's going to have to send him. If we ever got a hold of that truth, it would revolutionize a lot of the decisions that we make. God's in charge and God can send me what I need and who I need exactly when the time is right. Helps me to do the right thing. So Paul invests in him, shows him his future, and sends him back. All right, next. Esteem them higher than yourself. Esteem them higher than yourself. 
hold them in higher regards. In other words, put their interest in front of your interest. That same reason of Paul not sitting him back or the, uh, you know, the reason he could have. Paul, Paul could have been stingy. But Paul's taught both of these men what it means to trust God. And now Paul has to learn how to trust God in the midst of his own loss at this point. All right, verse 12. He says, I am sending him back. You, therefore, receive him. That is, receive my own heart, whom I wished to keep with me. I wanted to keep Onesimus, but I am sending him to you. I'm choosing to do the right thing. I want you to choose the right thing by receiving him like you would me. He said that on your behalf, he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. So what Paul is saying at that is, while Onesimus has been here, I I see him and I see him as an individual. But I recognize that he belongs to you. Everything that Onesimus has done for me, I credit to you. Paul looks at Philemon as this slaveholder, and you can't think of slavery as American slavery in in our context versus what they're doing in Rome. But he looks at this man and sees, you've raised him, and you've trained him. You've taught him how to, how to work and how to act and how to be. And he's turned right around and been helpful to me. He has lived up to his name. And I credit you with that. If you will, with that other, invest in them, then at some point you're going to get the rewards for that. But you're esteeming them higher than yourself. You're saying, I wish I could keep him, but instead I'm simply going to do the right thing and I'm going to send him back. So what he's saying to Philemon is, you have every right to punish him, but just don't. Esteem, this becomes difficult. Esteem your slave higher than you. Put the interest of your slave above yourself. And look at what kind of worker you get in return. All right. Ready for next? Nurture them through edification. Nurture them through edification. Not just the training, not just the teaching, not just the raising, but continuing to nurture them even as adults, even as people in that situation, even as friends within that relationship that you have. Edify them. Build them up. All right, we read 14, so let's skip down to 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. What he's saying is God has a purpose in this. 
what Paul is doing for Philemon is allowing him to see God at work in the midst of this situation. Philemon's nature would be, I've, I've lost a slave. I, I've, I, I'm losing profits. I, I'm, there are jobs that are not being done. I have to replace him, and if I replace him, then that's going to cost me too. Like any kind of businessman, he's looking oftentimes at simply the bottom line. Paul wants him to look at how do you get there. And reminding him that the bottom line is not always the bottom line. There are intangibles, aren't there? There are matters that can't be counted by nickels, that can't be counted by noses. Things like this is your brother. Your newfound brother in Christ. He's not just going to be with you in your household for as long as he lives. You're going to be with him forever. In eternity. I have no idea what number this is. But it's C. If you're following along, you know where we're headed, right? Cooperate with them. Cooperate with them to accomplish more than either one of you could alone. Cooperate with them, partner with them, truly partner with them. Not just saying, I'm behind you in your work, but really getting in there and being a true partner in this. Not, I'm trying to get you to do something for me. Not even, I'm trying to do something for you. But we're working on this mission together. That's way different than working on each other's project even together. When you come together to cooperate and to partner, you see things like you see here. Look at verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, then receive him as you would me. Don't think of him as your slave. Think of him as your partner. Whatever... Whatever business it is that Philemon is in, whatever the duty of Onesimus is within that business, he's saying treat him as if he is your partner in this. Not your employee, not your slave, not your volunteer, but some way that you would see the way that you would see me, says Paul. Again, with that same thought, look down to verse number 22. He says, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. In other words, I'm going to get out of this jail and I'm going to come see you. So make sure that you make me a room. I mean, that's what Philemon would do. I, I I have no doubt that Philemon reads the end of this letter and says, okay, let's get his room ready. We want to make sure that when Paul comes, he's going to stay in the best room. It's going to be clean. It's going to have everything that Paul needs, every amenity that we can afford him. We're going to give it to him. What Paul's saying then back up in verse 15 is, then you treat him like, like you treat, or in verse 17, then treat him like you would treat me. If you're going to roll out the red carpet when I come, then roll out the red carpet, because here he comes. All right? He'll tell you a lot. That very first encounter, that very first meeting, about how Philemon is going to act when Onesimus comes back home. 
E. Expect nothing in return for your investment in them. You're not doing this to get something for yourself. You're not giving to get. You're just giving. Being a good influencer will call for sacrifice on your part. It's going to cost you. It might cost you money. It definitely will cost you time. It'll cost you thought. It might even cost you friends. Can you imagine when the word gets out that Philemon is back, I mean Onesimus is back, and Philemon has not even whipped him? What are his peers going to say? Will there be a revolt among the other slaves? I mean, if he's going to receive Onesimus that way, then we can run away. We can run away and he won't do anything to us either. There is a sacrifice that's being made. There's always a sacrifice to do the right thing. If there weren't, (laughs) it wouldn't be difficult. And everybody would do it. Think of verse 19. I mean 18, sorry. Let's go back one. But if he has wronged you, if Onesimus has wronged Philemon, or if he owes you anything, and you put that on my account. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't give him a figure. If he owes you anything up to something, Paul just says if he owes you anything, put on my account, I will pay it. That's what he's saying in verse number 19. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. And then, of course, he slides in there not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. You know, Paul's done enough for him that he needs to do this. But, you know, if you begin to follow through the same pattern that Paul is setting up in this book, you are investing heavily into somebody else's life. You just are. And it ought to pay off. But you can't expect that in return. If you do, then there are going to be those times where you're going to say, I mean, I'll repay anything up to a certain amount. You're always going to put a cap on what you're willing to do for somebody else if you expect something in return. All right? R. Raise the standard. Raise the standard of your expectations. In other words, you want to under-promise and over-deliver. Look at verse 20. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. He says, I'm coming to town. Fix my room. I expect you to do even more for Onesimus. Roll out the red carpet for me. But I expect you to do more. There's an expectation on Paul's part that both Onesimus and Philemon 
and even Paul himself will do more than they have to do. Obedience is like that. To simply obey the Lord, even, even when I know that it costs me, makes me want to obey Him more. Makes me want to do more, give more, be more. All of those things. So don't lower your standards. If you're trying to be a good influencer on somebody, don't lower your standards and just say, oh, hey, look, they met them. Raise the standard. Demand more out of them than they ever thought that they could ever, ever give. Okay? All right, one more. There are more than one of you in here, so you're influencers, right? You thought we were through, didn't you? Okay, S is strengthen the effort by including others. Strengthen the effort by including others. It's not some, uh, you know, <clears throat> just a relationship between you and this other person. There are always going to be other people involved. And there are other people that you can bring along. There are going to be some that can watch. There's some that can help. And in doing that, you're investing in them and their future. And at some point, you're going to be able to be a good influencer on them as well. Look as Paul begins to rattle off some more of these names. He says in verse 23, Epaphras... My fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greets you. By the way, Epaphras is going to be one of the carriers of Paul's letters to other churches. He says, as do Mark. Remember Mark? This is the same Mark that Paul said, I don't want that guy going with me anymore. <laughs> he quit. I ain't got no room for quitters. But Barnabas encouraged him. Paul, toward the end of his life, says, get John Mark and you bring him to me. Same thing with Onesimus. He is useful to me for ministry. Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. We know some of these names. Do you know Demas? Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. By the time Paul writes his last letter, Demas is not his friend. Just because you're being a good influencer doesn't mean that that person's always going to play ball right. They may not ever listen to you. They may not ever get on board. Your job is to be obedient. Your job is to influence. Your job is to pour into them. Remember, you're not expecting anything in return, even if they turn their back on you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. That's what we would say. If you want to be a good influencer, then the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus. We pray that you'd help us to be involved in, in the right kind of way, in the lives of other people, of our family members, that we might spur one another on to good works, that we might help stir up that gift that you've placed within us, that we might be more, do more, and accomplish more than we ever thought that we could because of your Spirit 
because of our partners that you've given us in this world. Father, bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me where you are. If you need to come, if you need to come to the altar, if I can help you with something, I will. You ready? Thanks for joining us here today on Brit David Podcast. Pastor Tim invites you to check out our library here on Brit David Podcast and enjoy some of the other messages we have published here. Pastor Tim would also love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.